0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Welcome in. It's Grant and Danny on a Labor Day. Which, speaking of, what even is Labor Day? I don't even know. Like, is it? is this the most American holiday ever where we made a day up just so we get a day off?
3: No, it's like a union thing, you know? The unions fought for the labor movement, you know?
2: I mean, I guess that's good. I mean, it's it's nice for the people to get the day off today. Credit to them.
3: I wish I was one of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. We're laboring away on Labor Day, but I hope you're enjoying your Labor Day. Toby Altizer in for Grant and Danny today. I'm taking you up until 7 30. College football continues on. You got Clemson and Duke tonight following me. You can hear it right here on 106.7 The Fan, so make sure you keep it tuned right here. Got plenty that we got to talk about today. Want to get into some commander's talk. We're going to talk mostly football today. I do want to talk about Josiah Gray here in just a second, but want to get you up to date on all the things happening around the NFL. We'll go through and when lost the schedule, we'll talk about the predictions for the season. We'll talk about some NFL predictions as well. Coming up in just a little bit, I also want to talk about what you think will make this season a success. Talk about all that stuff. You want to hop in 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Again, appreciate you guys listening in on 1067, the fan also in Richmond and simulcast as well on the team 980. Toby Altizer with you up until 7.30. Bart Winkler is going to join the program coming up at 6 o'clock. He does CBS Sports Radio. You might have heard him this morning if you were listening to that. We'll talk with him about college football this weekend and the NFL. Plenty of good stuff going on, so we're going to keep it football mostly for most of the show. But I did want to talk a little bit about Josiah Gray because we've seen some struggles for him of late, specifically since... The, the calendar turned over to August. So if we look at just his six starts since the calendar flipped to August, it has not been good for him. His ERA in his last six starts, an 849. The FIP, a little bit better at 673, but still not good by any means. And it's pretty clear that there are some problems going on because in 23 and a third innings pitched, he's given up 24 hits and walked 21 and given up 22 earned runs. That's not going to cut it. And so I've talked about this before. You know, the idea of possibly shutting down some of these guys, talking about a Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, maybe a Jake Irvin, some of the young guys. And I've talked about this before, saying I would like to see these guys just continue to go through it and just continue to go through the grind of the season because, you know, you're looking ahead to next year. Maybe they can be contenders for a playoff spot. I think that's a little bit hasty, maybe a little bit too bold. So even if you want to look at 2025 as the year that they're contending for a playoff spot, I don't want to go through the similar situation that the Orioles are dealing with up the road where they're contenders. They're going to get into the playoffs, but a lot, their, a lot of their pitchers haven't gone through this grind before of going through September and then obviously leading into October. So they're having to find ways to limit the innings and make sure these guys can stay fresh and that they're on top of their game heading into the postseason, I'd rather these guys kind of understand what it's like, go through the grind, when it really doesn't matter. You know, if Josiah Gray goes out there, and the last, you know, August and September, this last couple of starts, he has an ERA north of 6, you know, even north of 7 like he's had here, as long as he's not looking like he's injured, as long as he's not fatigued, as long as you're not seeing, you know, his fastball down 4 or 5 miles an hour, like, as long as you're not seeing those things, signs of wear and tear then I'm fine with him going out there. But you almost do have to consider going back on what I just said and shutting down a guy like Josiah Gray or at least skipping a start because it's clear that stuff is getting to him. And maybe more so for him, it's not the physical aspect because I'm sure there's something that's going on there. Maybe it's something with the mechanics. Maybe just some stuff is broken down. Maybe his, his stuff isn't as sharp. I'm not exactly sure what has happened since... August 1st, really. But something is clearly going wrong. And then to see in his last start, Josiah Gray get frustrated and yelling at Jacob Young over a a misplay and things that happen in baseball, you never want to show up your teammates, you know? I understand that there's frustration about it. You know, you see this at times with pitchers where a guy misses up on a play and maybe they, they pound their glove or they drop their head in frustration. Even those sorts of displays are unacceptable. But to have Josiah Gray just straight up yelling at Jacob Young on the mound, clearly it started to get to him mentally. And so, I you know, as much as I've said I don't want to see these guys shut down, you have to consider doing something with Josiah Gray because it's clearly starting to get in his head. So I don't know that I need to get much more into the Nationals because they haven't been playing super well and I want to get into football, but I did want to mention that about Josiah Gray. I think that they do have to consider doing something with him because it's clearly started to get into his head and it's affecting his pitching on the mound, obviously, but it's also affecting his mentality because Josiah Gray is a pretty quiet guy. I mean, he's a good leader, I think, in the clubhouse, but to come out and yell like that on the mound as opposed to seeing just, you know, you don't even see this guy fist pump much when he gets out of a jam or anything like that. He kind of just saunters back into the dugout. And so for him to show that, emotion for really one of the first times this season like that and it to be in a negative fashion towards a teammate, I think that there has been some frustration that has been pent up and now he's kind of letting it go. So I think that they should consider something with Josiah Gray. I want to talk about some other things going on around the NFL and then we're going to get into some commander's talk. Um, so some news going on. Cooper Cup, for those of you that are big into fantasy football some concerns about Cooper cup because he's in Minnesota right now. And he's seeing a specialist in hopes of figuring out what's going on with his hamstring issues. So it seems like something that's going to continue to linger. And this is a guy that I really feel bad for him because he's a really good football player. And he wasn't, I wouldn't say the most injury prone before, but he had that spectacular season where he looked like he was on pace to possibly break the record for most receiving yards or, or get to the 2,000 rece- two thousand receiving yard mark. I think he did break the record. It's just absolutely absurd since then, just seeing the injuries and stuff he's had to deal with and the fall from graces for that Los Angeles Rams team. But he's dealing with a specialist right now, so if you drafted him in fantasy football, good luck. Hopefully he can get back out on the field at some point, but good luck with him. Another developing situation that we saw around the NFL today is Albert Breer was talking about Brian Burns and his contract situation. He didn't practice today. He didn't go through their walkthrough. Obviously the edge rusher for the Carolina Panthers. And we'll see if he suits up in week one, but this is a guy that's kind of been watching what's going on with Nick Bosa. And maybe he's going to go that same route and not suit up and play. We'll have to see what's going to go on there, but he's got a contract situation going on and now he might not suit up and play for the Carolina Panthers. So that's something to monitor as well. And then another big guy that is sitting out right now. And I think this is huge news because you're looking at now the Kansas City Chiefs suiting up and playing their first game on Thursday. Which again, you can hear right here on 106.7 The Fan. And I'll I'll get you ready for kickoff following Grant and Danny leading up to that game on Thursday. But Chris Jones still holding out. He wasn't present at practice today. And, and that was yesterday, according to Ian Rappaport a Wednesday practice of a regular game day, and he still wasn't at practice. And this is a guy that's probably going to hold out as long as possible until he gets that new contract. And we're going to go through some predictions later on about what, who we think is going to win the Super Bowl, who we think's going to win the AFC, who's going to win the various divisions, all that stuff. We're going to do that a little bit later on in the show. But I have a hard time seeing Kansas City repeating as Super Bowl champions if they don't have Chris Jones in that room. Chris Jones is so important to that defense because he changes what offenses have to do because he's that kind of a guy like you see here in D.C. with the Jonathan Allen. He's the kind of guy like you've seen for years with Aaron Donald. There's not a whole lot of guys that are effective, up-the-middle, defensive tackles like that that can be good against the run but also can get you 12, 15 sacks like Chris Jones can. And Chris Jones... I think if you want to talk about the top defensive players in all of football, I think I would put him maybe third or fourth behind Bosa, Parsons, and if you want to throw Donald ahead of him, you can throw Donald ahead of him as well. But that's about it. Those That's the kind of tier that he's in. And I feel like it hasn't been talked about. Obviously, the stars of Kansas City are Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and all those guys. But at the same point, you look at the defensive side of the football and they're gonna they're in a stout conference. That's something, too, that if they were in the NFC... Maybe they could get away with it. But in the AFC, where you got to face Cincinnati, where you got to face Buffalo, where you're going to have to face the New York Jets, all these really good teams, even in your own division, you got the Los Angeles Chargers. You're going to have to have some really good defensive players to go up against those star studded offenses. And if you're going to miss out on one of the top five defensive players in all the football, you can't just ignore that. I know they have Patrick Mahomes, but you have to have help around him. And you have to have a good defense. And he's been a big reason why they've been so good over the last couple of years, because he can be a one man wrecking crew up the middle of an offense where not only can he stuff the run and be an effective player in the run game. He's a guy that can immediately put pressure on the quarterback being a defensive tackle and just immediately destroying whatever lineman you put on him or he's drawing double teams and all the other guys get one-on-one. So that's something to monitor going forward I doubt he suits up for week one. I don't think he's going to be in the building by week one unless they get a contract done and so that's something to monitor all throughout the year when does Chris Jones suit up Does Chris Jones suit up because of the new CBA stuff he'll eventually get back in the building because he doesn't want it to he doesn't want it to not be in a crude season for him so he's basically stuck in the same situation this year as he w- as he'll be in next year if he doesn't show up. But at the same point, just because he shows up doesn't mean he's going to get on the field, doesn't mean he's going to suit up and play. So that's something to monitor as well. And then one other thing that I thought was interesting, just looking around the NFL in terms of news about players, Albert Breer was on NBC in Boston, and he said that Juju Smith-Schuster's knee is a mess, and he said, quote, that thing could explode at any point. So... (laughs) Again, maybe this is more of a fantasy football thing than anything, but if you're paying attention to that, that could be interesting. It doesn't feel great when you're saying a guy's knee could explode. And then the last NFL thing before we get into some commanders talk here, just kind of updating you on some things going on around the NFL today. So they put out a memo today, the NFL did, talking about what this new third quarterback rule is. And this is why I'm a little surprised that a majority of teams are still only keeping two quarterbacks. So there's a new rule that they put into place. I believe it used to be a rule with the NFL, but they put it back into place basically after the NFC championship last year where it turned into a complete joke after you had Purdy go down. You had so many injuries at the quarterback spot that, I mean, there was no one to play.
3: That was one of the worst, at least half of a game or whatever I've ever watched. It was the worst television.
2: And they want to avoid that. So... Essentially, what they've done is they've put in a place where you can have an emergency third quarterback. Now, the stipulations are he has to be on the 53-man roster. He doesn't have to be active on game day because you don't have all 53 active on game day. You only have 46, 47 active on game day. But he doesn't have to be active, but he has to be on the 53. And then if something were to happen, say, in the commander's case where Sam Howell leaves with a concussion and Jacoby Brissett maybe is leaving with you know, a tweaked ankle or something like that in the case where both guys are injured or if one of them got ejected or they're being evaluated for concussion, but both guys are out, then you can throw in Jake Fromm, but he has to be on the 53 man roster. And so if the commanders were in this situation, they would have no answer because Jake Fromm's not on the 53 man roster. He's on the practice squad. And maybe this is something that NFL teams aren't going to take seriously unless it happens to them. So maybe, you know, the 49ers look at it and say, yeah, we got to take this thing seriously because it happened to us. But maybe you're a team that just thinks, you know, we'll we'll make do with the two quarterbacks we got, and if it happens, well, that just sucks. But basically the NFL put out a memo today of kind of going through that whole thing. And so I think it's interesting that teams didn't consider that as big of a deal. I mean, Ron Rivera was kind of asked about it in his press conference after some of the cuts or before some of the cuts. And ultimately they ended up just finding a way to get Jake Fromm to the practice squad. But I don't know who you could have took taken off the roster. I mean, are you going to take a spot from a guy like a Mitchell Tinsley? Are you going to take a spot from one of the D linemen? Are you going to do that for a third quarterback in the case of emergency? I don't know that you really want to, but it is intriguing to me that teams didn't take advantage of this rule as much as I thought they might consider taking advantage.
3: I feel there's some weird strategy that could kick in, too. If you know your opponent has a third quarterback on a practice squad, you can sign them. And so if you see in a game and you're playing them next week and their starter goes down, why don't you sign their practice squad quarterback? So now they're in a pinch. Now they got to go find some other dude to play backup next week against you.
2: Yeah, it's there's some definitely some things that could go on here. It's just an interesting thing that I wanted to point out. But I want to get into some Commander's talk. We're going to win-loss to schedule coming up at 5 o'clock. We'll do some predictions as well. But I want to start by, say, by asking you this. 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in. This season will be a success if fill in the blank. Or simply, what will make this season for the Commanders a success? 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. you want to give me a call there? Or you can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. Again, what's going to make this season a success? You know, it could be as simple as the win-loss column. It could be as simple as is it playoffs or bust? Maybe that's your barometer. And I think that's fair. I think that where this team has been, where it has floated around mediocrity since Ron Rivera's been here, where it's 7 and 9, it's 7-8 and 1, it's 8-8 eight, eight and 1. Like you're right there to get to the playoffs. A couple of games go your go your way instead of the other team's way, all of a sudden you find yourselves in the playoffs. So I think that's fair if you want to say it's playoffs or bust. Is it something to do with Sam Howell? Is it something where you look and say, if Sam is our guy, then going forward, then this is a successful season. If Sam proves that he can be the guy and that helps out with some roster flexibility and various things, is that something where you think, okay, maybe they don't win. 10 games. Maybe they don't win even 8 games. Maybe they just get to that 6-7 win mark. But they look solid offensively. And Sam Howell looks like a guy that maybe could be the quarterback of the future. Do you consider that a success? Like what is it going to take for you to look at this season at the end of it and you to consider it a success? Because I think if you look at last season, 8-8 eight, eight, and 1, I don't know that you consider that a success. But would you look at it this year if they went 8-8 eight, eight, and 1 and we're sitting there Pretty close to a playoff spot. Would you consider it a success because of the different changes and the young quarterback and the new offensive coordinator? Like, what are you looking at this season? What are your expectations for this team? And how do you judge it as a successful season? Because, you know, generally, you would think you want to get in the playoffs. Is that something that's different with the young quarterback? Obviously, unless you're crazy, you're not looking Super Bowl or bust. So what is your barometer for a successful season? 800-636-1067. Give me a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. We'll get to your phone calls, and I'll give you some of my answers next here on The Fan.
5: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome back. It's Grant and Danny here on The Fan, as well as the Team 980. What do you think makes this season a success? For the Washington Commanders? The answer for Ron Rivera probably has to be the playoffs, right? Playoffs are bust because for him, even just getting into the playoffs might not be enough to save his job. He probably needs to win nine, ten games, get into the playoffs, and win a playoff game, right? But is there anything else that you're judging it by? Are you not judging it by the wins and losses? Are you looking at various players and saying if this guy has a good season and this guy really breaks out? Obviously, generally, we're going to look at playoffs or bust. But is it more than that, or is it just as simple as that? 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. Let's get out to Luke in D.C. Luke, what's going on? Yeah, I appreciate you taking my call. Absolutely. What's going on, Luke? Hey, so for me, I think the, what
3: would make this st- and successful is if we can maintain the defense all year. Because with the enemy coming in and installing a new offense and certainly with how, it's not going to be clicking at the beginning. So if we can maintain that five to seven, at least as the top ten defense all year, it will give our offense an opportunity to get clicking. I think at the end of
4: the year, then we can
2: see where we're at. Luke, we're going to have to. Move Luke, appreciate the phone call, man. Your phone's cutting in and out a little bit. But I think he brings up a good point about the defense that they need to be a good unit all throughout the season. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we're going to win loss to schedule and go through and talk about all of the games. But, I mean, you want to see the defense good week one against Arizona. But they also need to be good week three against Buffalo. They still need to be good week 12 against Dallas. On Thanksgiving, they still need to be good against the Jets week 16. You need them to be consistent throughout the season. And that's something that I feel like they weren't last season. There was a stretch where they were elite, elite. And I think that's ultimately what led to them being one of the top ranked units in the league was maybe a five or six week stretch. The problem is you're not playing a five or six week football season. I need you to play like an elite unit all 17 weeks of the season or at least more of that than just five or six. You know, I think they were okay for a majority of the season, and then they were elite for a little short stint, but I need that to be up to level because there's too much talent on that defensive side to play just mediocre defensively. You know, I've talked about this before. I think their formula for wins for this team is still going to be playing good defense and playing complementary football, so running the ball and making sure that you don't turn it over. I'm not saying that the enemy should be running the rock 60% of the time and going back to an old school game plan. But I think that still the game plan to win games still needs to be defense first. This defense needs to be the driving force for wins. So I think that's a really good point. Like if this defense can maintain a high level of play, then maybe that can help them get into the playoffs. Maybe that can help them get to that eight, nine, 10 win mark again. I think for me, If you're going to go on something other than record, I think it has to be Sam Howell. I think this season comes down to Sam Howell being a success or not. Because I think that there's a way, it wouldn't be good for Ron Rivera, but I think that there's a way that they could win you know, six, seven, eight games, miss the playoffs. And if Sam Howell looks like he can be the guy going forward, or at least for next year, then I think that opens up so many options. Because you have to look at Who are the options of free agents for next season for this football team? Who are some guys that could be gone from this football team next season if you can't pay them? Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Cam Curl, all big dudes. Curtis Samuel's a free agent. Like All those guys could be gone if you decide that you're going to trade for a big-time quarterback. Or if you want to go sign one free agency, a la Kirk Cousins. You know, if you want to do one of those things, that's fine. But you're going to have to spend a lot of money and a lot of those guys are going to have to go. But the way that you could consider keeping a Sweat and a Chase Young, which I kind of think they're done with Chase Young. I kind of feel like he's, unless something crazy happens this year, like he goes out and balls out and gives you 12 sacks, which, you know, I'd love for for that to happen. My thing has always been with players, make the general manager, whoever it is, make tough decisions in any sport. Make it so that the GM has to make tough decisions. Make it so it's not so easy. You know, if Sweat goes out there this year and has 10 sacks and Chase Young only has five, well, his decision's easy. Make it difficult for him. But I kind of think that they're done with Chase. But could they consider keeping both if Sam Howell is the guy and he's on a fifth-round salary and maybe they could find a way to Sign one long-term, maybe say sign sweat long-term to bring down that cap number a little bit and maybe franchise tag or find a way to work out a short-term deal with a Chase Young or maybe bring in another edge rusher in that position. There are so many ways that you can use that money that you save by playing a fifth-round rookie quarterback or a rookie contract for a fifth-round quarterback and Sam Howell. And so if he can play well and you've got two more seasons with him on that fifth-round contract where he's making next to nothing in terms of quarterback salaries, then they can do so much more for the roster. Obviously, you're paying Terry. Obviously, you're paying some guys. But you could go out and bring in more free agents. Or you could try to keep a sweat and maybe try to keep a young. Or you could go spend at linebacker. Or with Kendall Fuller being gone, maybe you go spend on a corner. You can pay Cam Curl. like All the things that you need to do to improve this football team, there are so many more options if Sam Howell can be the guy. Because if Sam Howell is the guy, you're paying your quarterback next to nothing, and that's the most expensive position in football. If they have to go sign a guy like a Kirk Cousins, it's not going to be cheap, and you can say goodbye to a lot of those free agents. Essentially, that's it. You saw that happen with Carson Wentz. They traded for Carson Wentz and said, yeah, that's it. We can't do anything else. We have no other way to work the cap. You know how many more options they'll have if they're playing a quarterback? Like, I, I'm not even trying to stretch this. Like, 1 20th of what other quarterbacks are getting? Like, that's how little Sam Howell's making as a fifth-round quarterback on a rookie contract. That is how you can do a, what Ron Rivera calls roster building.
3: That's how the Seahawks won Super Bowls.
2: And, and that's why it's so attractive, and this is part of why I thought it was the right decision to go with Sam Howell. It's a great point. When you have a quarterback... And it can be a first-round quarterback. But when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, that is the easiest time to win football games if the quarterback can play well because you're not paying him $50 million. You're not paying him $40 million. I mean, if they would have brought Lamar Jackson in here this offseason like so many people nationally wanted them to do, if they would have brought in Lamar Jackson, they wouldn't have been able to sign any of these free agents that are going to leave this team next year. Chase Young, you can already say goodbye. Montez Sweat, you can already say goodbye. Maybe even Cam Curl, you could go ahead and say goodbye because you'd be spending literally 30 and 40 times more than what you're spending right now with Sam Howell. And that's going to continue to be the case. And that's something that if he plays well this season, it changes the landscape of this football team because now you have a quarterback. Now you understand who he is. You can build the offense to his strengths. You can maybe spend some money on the offensive line. And you don't have to really pay him until a couple more years down the road. And so if you want, you can maybe front-load some deals and pack some cash into two years where you've still got him for extra cheap. And this team has not been far away the last couple of years. Like, as much as we rag on Ryan Rivera, what's the difference between the teams in the NFC East and the Commanders? And his simple answer was quarterback. I mean... I think it was foolish to answer like that, but he's also really not that wrong, right? Imagine last year if you could have gotten league average quarterback play. Imagine last year if you could have gotten the quarterback play that San Francisco got out of a guy like a Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant turned into a very relevant player very quickly for that franchise. But imagine if you could get somewhat mediocre quarterback play. They would have been in the playoffs last season. They were 8-8-1 with very bad quarterback play. Like If I go back and look up the stats of last season of all the quarterbacks combined, it was not good. And that's part of my reasoning why I thought it was the right decision to roll with Howell. I think that he can give you the same level of quarterback play that you got last season. And on top of that, with the rookie contract, that is the easiest way to rebuild this football team and continue to build it. So if we look back at last season and we look at just what the passing numbers were for the entire team, 62% completion percentage, I think Sam can do that. 24 touchdowns, I think Sam can do that. 16 interceptions, I hope Sam doesn't do that. Only 222 yards a game. I mean, it wasn't a lot. 37... 3,800 yards. I think he's going to run the football more. I think that he can give you this level of quarterback play. That level of quarterback play is so bad in today's NFL. So bad. And so I think that Sam Howell can definitely reach that level. But my point is this. When Ron says that the quarterback position was holding them back, he's not wrong. And so if Sam Howell can prove to be that guy, he doesn't even have to be Patrick Mahomes. And that's something that we're going to have to watch throughout the season because I want to see development. I want to see him continuing to get better. You know, If he comes out week one and looks great, that's awesome. But how does he look week two? How does he look week three? How does he look week eight, week nine? Is he building off of these things? Because one thing we've heard from the coaching staff, from Jahan Dotson, from Terry McLaurin, from all these guys, is that when he makes a mistake, it doesn't stick in his brain. It's not constantly eating at him. He puts it away, but he learns from it, and he doesn't do it again. So last year, when he throws the pick, awful pick down in the red zone against the Cowboys, he didn't do something like that again. Now we need to see it in a full season's form. You know, he's going to have some mistakes. We've already seen some in the preseason. He's terrible against the Blitz. How does he adjust to that? Because guess what? The NFL's not a cupcake league. If you stink against something they're going to throw it at you as much as possible. If Sam can't pick up the fact that there are blitzing corners and safeties off the edge, well, then guess what they're going to do? Guess what you're going to see week one? Guess what you're going to see week two? A lot of blitzing corners and safeties off the edge. So he's going to have to find ways to build off of this. And also, once you get four and five weeks into the season, teams are going to say, okay, these are Sam Howell's tendencies. He doesn't like to throw left or he's not good at this throw He's good at this one, though. Let's shut that one down. He likes to throw to Terry in this spot. He likes to throw to Jahan here. When they start getting chances to game plan for him, how does he grow? How does he play? How does he adjust? How does enemy help him? I think that so much of this season is going to depend on Sam Howell, and not just wins and losses, but even the future of this franchise depends on Sam Howell right now, because it can dictate what you can do with this roster going forward. You're going to have Terry. You're going to have Jahan. You're going to have John Allen. You're going to have Deron Payne. But you might not have Montez Sweat. You might not have Chase Young. You might not even have Cam Curl. I think Curtis Samuel's probably gone. Like, there's a lot of guys on this team that are going into the last year of their contract that are probably waiting to see what happens with Sam Howell because if Sam Howell turns out to be the guy, they might be able to get their paycheck from this team still. Otherwise, if it has to be someone else, the team might want him back, but they might have to say goodbye because they're paying the quarterback 20 and 30 times what they were paying Sam Howell. What do you think this season needs to have to be considered a success? This season will be a success if fill in the blank. 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. Give me a call. What makes this season a success? More on the fan next. Also on the team 980.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Grant and Danny with the day off on this Labor Day. Hopefully you're enjoying your day off as well. Toby Altizer in for them alongside my guy, Chris, doing all the hard work behind the glass Coming up at 5 o'clock, we're going to win-loss the schedule, go through every single game, give you our thoughts. I purposely, I've looked at the schedule, because obviously it's part of the job to understand who the team is playing at any point. But I haven't gone through and win-loss the schedule yet. So we're going to do that coming up at 5 o'clock. It's going to be genuine. It's going to be the first time I've done it. So I have no idea. I always think that I'd take the 6.5. I think I'd take the over. But who knows? Maybe I'm going to say they win three games. Who knows? Well, But that's coming up at 5 o'clock, coming up at 6.00. Bart Winkler is going to join the program. You hear him on CBS Sports Radio from time to time. We'll talk with him about the college football games this weekend, as well as the NFL season as it begins on Thursday. But we're talking right now about what you think will make this season a success. This season will be a success if fill in the blank. Chris, we haven't got your opinion on this one yet. What do you think makes this season a success for the Commanders?
3: I think it does come down to Howell. If he progresses well, Like I don't think he even has to be some crazy, phenomenal breakout quarterback, but if we get to the end of the season and we know next year he is our starter, then it was a success. We know no doubt there's not gonna be a quarterback controversy. There's not gonna be any questions. like He will be the starter next year because he played that good that we don't have to look for a quarterback in the draft or anything like that. That's a success.
2: 100%. It would give you stability at the quarterback position that this team hasn't had since when? Kirk? And even then, it was still up in the air because of all the franchise tag stuff and all the craziness at the end of his, but there hasn't been stability at the quarterback position in this town in forever. So if they know for a fact that next season, they're rolling with Sam Howell again, and like you said, no question about it. Like, the national narrative right now is still, what the heck are they doing rolling with Howell? Or they're like, well, we'll wait and see they've kind of changed their stance a little bit over the past week where they're like, oh, maybe they uh, are geniuses out there in D.C. Maybe, you know, this guy was always supposed to be, it's you know, a first-round pick, and then he kind of, things happen in Carolina. But, you know, he's not your average fifth-rounder, like we've all been saying all along. But anyways, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, maybe they have something. But if nationally, if they're not talking about the Washington quarterback situation next year, then I think you're right. I think it has to be a success. If they're not looking at this team next year rolling with Howell again and thinking, what are they doing? Then you have to be happy with where you're at because it opens up so many options. Like you said, in the first round, they're not scouting quarterbacks. They're not having to look at, how much do we have to give up to try and go get Drake May or Caleb Williams or Shador Sanders (laughs) or something like that, right? Like they're not being crazy about that. They're not in the free agent market where they might have to spend 30 and 40 million for a guy like, who knows, Kirk Cousins or something like that. I think a lot of this season's success is going to boil down to Sam Howell. And to be honest with you, as much as the wins and losses are important, I completely agree with that. I I almost am more worried about how Sam Howell looks. Because, you know, if things happen defensively, and maybe they're not as good as you had hoped, or whatever the case may be, I kind of think, in general, that if Sam Howell plays well, they'll probably be a pretty good football team. Maybe not a playoff team, but at least eight wins again. But even so, if something happens where they only win six games and they go under their win total that Vegas set, but Sam Howell looks like the guy, I would have to consider that a good season for this team because you haven't had stability of that position for so long.
3: And and the inverse is, is the opposite. If we find out that we have got to find another quarterback now, we're we're scrambling now, you know, it's 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 all on him, like you were saying. It it really depends on how he does, and by the end of the season, what we know about him going forward.
2: Let's get out to JYD in D.C. What's going on, dude? How you doing, my man? Not too bad. Hopefully you're having a good Labor Day.
4: All right, saying you. What what I'm expecting is if they can can bring Sam Howell up to speed and if he shows that he can be the guy, fine. But I still think that we as a franchise – should be drafting a quarterback every year.
2: Are you talking? You're not talking the first round, though. You're talking maybe taking one later on. If 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 we if we if we can get
4: one of the quarterbacks this year, cause, I mean next this coming season, sure. I mean this coming draft, it's going to be plenty. Of, it's going to be plenty of good quarterbacks
2: out there. Yeah, I agree on that. I mean, there are plenty does, of guys and, and that if aren't we, even and if just 1st and, and, and if we can grab one, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate you that never idea. Ha- look, look,
4: uh, uh, look, Ron Wolf, general manager of the Green Bay Packers, great general manager. He always said, "You never have enough." I uh, never have enough good quarterbacks. Sure, because if because if. Let's let's say Sam Howell it, you know, it progresses and he's good, and let's say we got another quarterback that progresses and he's good. Then you got then you then you got trade you got trade bait. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't because, think that's a bad because idea don't, because don't forget a rookie quarterback. You could you could carry you could carry you could carry Sam Howe and a quarterback that you draft in the first round if you drafted one. Sure.
2: Jyd, appreciate the phone call, man. I don't think that's a terrible idea. I wouldn't draft one early. Like if Sam proves that he's the guy, you're not spending a first or a second round quarter, uh, a second round pick on another quarterback. But I think his point is valid. There are plenty of quarterbacks that might not fall in that first round realm that you can get a little bit later on that I think could be solid backups going forward, and maybe if they could develop into something, I mean. You watched a couple of guys this past week, like you saw Week Zero. Sam Hartman looks solid. Is that someone that's going to be available a little bit later? That maybe you'd say, "Hey, we don't have to spend a whole lot at the quarterback position." You know, instead of what they're doing this season, where you're not spending a whole lot at starter, but at your backup, you're spending eight million. Maybe next year they say, "Hey, let's spend little at the starting quarterback spot with Sam Howell, and then let's spend very little." at the other quarterback spot behind him because we're confident in him and we can continue to develop another rookie behind him. And put that, that
3: money in the line. Put that money in the O-line. <laughs>
2: yeah, 100%. And real quick, we're going to hit a break here in about a minute. The other thing that I think could make this season a success, and I know it sounds crazy, is Eric Bieniemy becomes a head coach. Want to know why? Because that means Eric Bieniemy had a great season. It doesn't even have to be here if he's going to be a head coach. That guy should be a head coach somewhere. I mean... I don't know that we'll get to the clips today of Jonathan Gannon sounding like a fool in front of his team, but that dude doesn't make me want to do anything. I listen to Eric Bieniemy just talking about the offense at a press conference, and I want to run through a wall. That guy should be a head coach somewhere. And so I think that if you look at this season, and at the end of it, he gets hired to be a head coach somewhere, even if it's promoted here or if it's somewhere else, that means that you've had a successful season because that means the offense is going to be good. That's something to keep an eye on as well. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back... I want to win-loss to schedule. I haven't gone through it yet. I've looked at who they've got. I haven't win lost it yet. We're going to do that next here on The Fan. Chris and I are going to give you every single matchup for the Commanders and give you whether we think they're going to win or lose next here on The Fan.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.